Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. This August the fifth, twenty seventeen. I'm gonna bring something to your attention. The simple fact that back in World War One, World War Two, U-boats were used to maximum effect. It wasn't until World War Two that, of course. The infamous Durnitz came up with the wolf pack tactics and torpedoed everything bound for Britannia. Ladies and gentlemen, let me ask you something. Do you think there is any correlation between these two news articles? This was released July 27th. On oilprice.com, Shell posts 700% rise in earnings. Ladies and gentlemen, four days later, this was the headline RT. Shell shuts production at Europe's largest refinery in Rotterdam over massive fire. That was July 31st. Ladies and gentlemen, I did searches. I read these articles, and there was references to – and do this search for yourself in news. Trade war China, trade war Germany, trade war Russia. You're not going to like what you find. But I know the type of trade war you really don't want. It's when the Praetorian Guard of Nero, when it's their children that begin to go hungry. Let me explain, ladies and gentlemen. This is historical fact. The real type of military coup that the leaders fear is when the soldiers are not provided with enough sustenance, so if they know how to drive, I don't know, a T-72 tank, they'll just roll into the bordering country, go to the grocery store because they've got plenty of food, and take it. Ladies and gentlemen, there's absolutely no reason by will of force that, let's say, a squadron of SU-35 
fighter pilots should have to watch their children. That's, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, and the military leaders know it. So you've all been taught to recognize when there's evil military leaders that's scheming to take power. Oh, no, that historically that's not what's been feared. Look it up, especially with the Praetorian Guard. The Caesar's personal guard was always top-notch, top-paid, and they had better have been top-paid. You know, the real question is, who's holding the start gun? As you consider just who might be the one holding that start gun, go ahead and get your trays to the upright position and fasten your seat belts. Because I assure you, I don't care these so-called eschatology experts say. September is a very bad omen. It's not a sign for anything good. And even the present POTUS has stated that we need a shutdown in September. Ladies and gentlemen, you can fantasize all you want to, but when the rubber hits the road, it's what the Lord our God wants that matters. Even as I was listening to some programs today about this very issue, I became very, very, very angry because multiple uh, biblical teachers was mentioned in this one diatribe about it on YouTube. He was quoting from Revelation chapter 4, the Greek, and how the word technon is in the neuter case. Of course it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's because technon is children, generic. It's the very next verse that proves he didn't have a clue what he was talking about or he was deliberately lying to you because that is huros there in that verse. So he was interchanging the two, not clarifying and completely deceiving the woman who was supposed to be making her garments white. To me, that's not funny. It's not funny at all. Now, of course… When you look in the very next verse and realize, oh, I see that. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Technon is not referring to a corporate entity because in the very next verse, in verse 5, it plainly states it, Huron. That's right, with what you call an N, because that's, well, acoustic singular masculine. Ladies and gentlemen, they're lying to you. Say, who does have that start gun? Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the End Time Tribune. It's been an interesting day, to say the least. Just so you all know, Brian and I, or Clinton and I, had a conversation earlier today about a theory that uh, Clinton seems to have come up with all on his own. However, following the law, I told him I would consider it. I told him not to quote me to anybody, but let me look at it and see. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to talk with Clinton about this until Brian and I have thoroughly come to terms with exactly what has been said, what what God actually said. Because now, looking at – first I scanned the Greek, and it just was like a splinter in my mind's eye. How didn't I see that before? That's That's impossible. I wrote this chapter out longhand in the Greek when I was a teenager. There's no way possible I could have seen it. And then I checked the Hebrew. I wanted to see – what Delich not only done, but of course what the two foremost scholars on this planet at the time verified. They witnessed that he had correctly translated it. And Brian and I are going to have a very private conversation about this. We're going to make a determination. Then we'll get back with Clinton. I don't know. We may have to… Do some public statements on that, so keep that on the back burner, ladies and gentlemen. Clinton, how was your week this week, and uh, what's been uh, getting your attention here in the news? Well, you know, it's it's good to be back with everyone, and, and great to be back uh, talking with you guys. Um, you know, this, this week has been uh, a very trying week. Um, a lot of different things coming from so many different directions. I mean, we... We technically have 16 days until the great American eclipse occurs, um, you know, which is the eclipse that goes from Oregon all the way through the United States down to South Carolina. Um, and then we have 49 days until the, the sign, you know, that appears in heaven um, that many are calling uh, the Revelation 12 sign. Um, so just watching how the buildup to this is, um, I mean, there's, they're talking about treating the eclipse like a natural disaster because of the traffic jams and they don't know what the effect of the eclipse is going to be. And, and so it's just, it's just interesting to watch and interesting to see mixed with the trade wars that you mentioned earlier um, that are brewing and starting to go. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just fun to kind of watch. I guess if, if fun is the right word or not, but it's interesting to watch for the least. Yeah, that caught my attention too. The Main Street uh, Press did some articles on it, so I started checking the route uh, that uh, the eclipse is going to take. And yeah, they're even wiping out many hotel rooms are already booked <laughs> for that along the route. So that's pretty dangerous, ladies and gentlemen, because you know if you're going to look for a gathering to target, you're going to have to. Everyone would immediately say Fourth of July, Fourth of July, Fourth of July. Oh, no, ladies and gentlemen. Along this path, there's going to be people gathering to the left and to the right of that path, gathering. This is going to be the greatest concentration of United States population along one course than has ever been. Brian, how's your week been, buddy, and what's been getting your attention in the news before we 
hand it over to Clinton. Well, my week's been as it usually is. What's been getting my attention in the news? Well, I think you dropped a hammer already on those odds and ends. Just, I guess, the atypical looking at the infamous uh, in their minds, this game that they're playing and looking to see where things are going next and trying to stay about 10 feet ahead of them, which proves to be rather interesting as of lately, I must say. In reference to the great game, I asked Clinton today when we when we talked, I think the second time that we talked maybe, um, and he said that, well, as far as what economic model we have to look for, they, they've done it three different ways, Brian, and I didn't look at it this way, but option A is, let's see, uh, he said India. And he presented me with a timeline that I really didn't know anything about. He said that they had first taken away some of their some of their currency, and uh, like the twenty dollar bill, let's say. And you and I had talked about that before. Um, it came out in the news that they were planning on. Uh, I think it was the 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 fifty dollar bill or something, but you and I talked about that at least privately before, so that got my attention. Then he said that option A or option B was what they'd done in Syria and option C was what they're currently doing in Venezuela. So they've got three options on how to win this great game. So you and I is gonna have to talk about that privately later too because I don't know, maybe we need to have a private powwow between all three of us after this broadcast because we need to come to terms with one uh, why over the past two months I've proven to be completely incompetent when it comes to the Greek and the Hebrew there's no excuse for that there's just not we need to come to terms with that I mean if Brian you know decides I need to shut up and shut down then I guess they'll do the program solo without me for a while I don't know I don't care I have never, by any stretch of my imagination, ever intended to be outside of God's will. Not ever. And I refuse to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> I will shut up and shut down before I go somewhere he does not want me to be. So we seriously need to consider this, ladies and gentlemen, because, I mean, how have I been caught off guard here over the past two months with things coming up with Brian and I will take a look at it in the scripture, and right there it is, staring us in the face. I mean, this happened on the air the other day with the mercenaries of Ephraim. I know exactly what that says. I always know what it said. And it just occurred to me now, that's incompetence. Anyway, enough of that, ladies and gentlemen. Let's find out what's been going on this week that is driving us toward the pulling of that trigger for that start gun. Ah, yes. As far as I'm concerned, let him ride, baby. Let him ride for glory. But that decision is not up to me. Clinton, you have the saddle. 
You know, I guess uh, the, the first thing that I would like to say is, I mean, there's been many times where I studied scripture and I, I would read the same verses over and over again and, and nothing would click, nothing would make sense. And then I'd leave and come back, you know, weeks, months, years later, and you read that same verse and all of a sudden it clicks. It just makes sense. It just, you know, it's just like it reveals itself to you. And, and I honestly believe that that is by design, um, that we are meant to know certain things at certain times uh, to prepare our way for that. Um, and, and so, you know, what, what we try to do is we try to be as truthful and explain everything the best that we can, um, remaining directly in line with, with God's word as it's revealed to us. And, and so as we progress with everything, it's, it's going to be more and more important to stick as close to the scripture as possible. Um, we can see it in the mainstream media or just in television in general um, that there's so much information coming out. There's so many, so many different interpretations coming out. There's so many different views on how the, the end will evolve or, or if we are in the end or if, you know, is this the end of the American empire or what this is? Um, the only consensus that we all have is that it's something, that it's something big um, that is developing and brewing directly in front of us. And what we need to try to do is try to put the pieces together as much as possible. And, you know, I remember growing up and, and reading books like 1984 uh, by George Orwell or Brave New World by Alex Huxley. And, you know, thinking, oh, wow, this sci-fi, you know, stories are just completely out there. This would be crazy if the world actually turned out to be like that. Well, guys, we're faced with that today. I mean, if you, if you look at the principle of, of both of these books, um, you know, 1984 was basically based off of like a, a surveillance system. You know, where TVs monitor you, uh, you know, they didn't really have computers because they didn't know what that was because it was written in 1948. Um, but basically, the, you know, the whole premise of it is that everything was watched, everything was monitored, history was rewritten. And if you did not stay within the, the company line or the government line, you were sent off to re-education centers. Well, when it comes to this, you know, spying on people, um, you know, this recent leak that WikiLeaks actually sent out um, about the Dumbo program, which, you know, if you've been watching news, you knew that the NSA had a spying program and that they've been spying on Americans for a long time and said it was part of the Patriot Act that we were actually just trying to monitor people that were terrorists. And it's come out, you know, more and more that they're monitoring everyone. Well, just like in the movie Snowden, um, it was released that, yeah, they, they can look through your webcams. Yeah, they can record you. Yeah, they, they have been doing exactly that. So in essence, this sci-fi book written, you know, 70 years ago is kind of coming true. And then you look at the, the Brave New World, which is, you know, based off of economic, or not economic, but uh, genetic mutations. You know, basically you go and if you want to have a family, you you go to a clinic and then take an egg and a sperm and they develop it for you. They do designer babies. You know, you pick your, uh, the hair color, the eye color, you know, 
they're going to be six foot two, you know, athletic build, whatever you want. You know, that's how it's set up. And it, it creates a, a different class between those that are genetically superior versus those that are born the old fashioned way. We can see that happening as well. I mean, it, it just came out that the United States and, and a Korean team came together and actually were able to manipulate genetics on the embryonic level. So they, they found through all their tests they've been doing for the last couple of years, they have to do this right when the sperm meets the egg. Otherwise, there's you know, the negative effects that happen from this gene splicing. Um, but they were able to basically mend a dangerous heart disease um, out of a human embryo. Well, this is just the beginning. Once you open Pandora's box, you, you don't go back. So once you start manipulating actual genetic makeup of humans, then you have to have the debate of, are you still human? And, you know, I mean, then you also have to have the debate of what about the old stories of, you know, the, the Greek gods or the Roman gods or stories like the Minotaur, you know, half man, half bull. Was that true? Did, did ancient civilizations do the same thing that we're doing today, which is genetically alter humans? And then is that still classified as a human? You know, my personal take is no, it's not. And maybe that's part of the, the grand scheme of things is as things develop, less and less of the human population would then be, in essence, a creation from God. Um, it, it would be more of a creation of man if it's being altered, manipulated. You know, I'm, I'm completely for, you know, fixing as many diseases as we can and, and helping people have prosperous and wonderful lives. But I'm definitely not for tampering with the actual genetic makeup of human beings. And we, as a society today, we have to answer this question. This is here. This is on the horizon. This is something our children will live with. And we have to face it. So, you know, what do we do? How do we stand up against this? Well, it's moving in that direction. And it's unfortunately out of the control of just the United States. I mean, the whole world is going to be racing upon this new enterprise. You know, if, if you're able to modify the human body, you know, either this transhumanism movement or uh, the cyborg movement or the embryonic, you know, manipulation movement or, you know, whatever other movement you want to pick, it, it's, it's moving in that direction. And, and we're going to have to see, you know, what this does to our society. Does this create a second class citizenship for those of us that won't go along with it? Or... Is it something that only one group of people do and then they use that technology to go against everyone else? I mean, these are things that we have to look into. Now, the other thing is when it comes to the, the world around us, the economic world around us or the, um, <laughs> the political world around us, um, the, it's been no secret that the United States has wanted to spread democracy around the world for, well, since we were founded. 
you know, maybe that's just the, the Christian principles behind it, uh, you know, where Christianity wants to spread the word, you know, where America wants to spread democracy, it's the same kind of concept. Um, and democracy is spread all over the globe. I mean, for instance, the largest democracy in the world is not the United States, population-wise, it's India. You know, and, and when, you, when you look at these different democracies, they're all similar. They're, they're different, but they're similar. But it's, it's also like a, a testing ground. And, and what I mean by that is if you have a similar political system and then you want to incorporate a different economic system into that political system, you test it and you see how people react. You see how you know, the, the government reacts, how the neighbors react, how everything reacts. And then you make your, your stance that way. I mean, take Greece, for instance. You have Greece that we, the IMF has had numerous bailouts, which is basically Germany and France have bailed out Greece numerous times. And it first started as a, as a model um, against the, the bailouts that the United States did um, during 2008. They were going to try something different, do these bailouts on, on a government level, and, and it hasn't fixed anything. Um, and so Greece is been in essence kind of a disaster with their economic policy and unfortunately it spread to the rest of the pig nations um and and the rest of europe is in economic crisis as well but you look at india and india is unique for the sheer fact that um you know i think it was maybe six months ago time flying so maybe not even be six months ago um the indian government came out and essentially overnight made the what's equivalent to the five and ten dollar bill um, obsolete, you know, illegal to own, um, to the point that if you had this currency, this cash, you need to go to the bank and you need to trade it down on a new currency and add an exchange rate. And there was massive chaos. You know, the people in India, a lot of them don't have bank accounts, so they didn't know what to do. They just hold on to this cash. And so they're standing in line to try to trade it for this new currency. Well, that went on for a while, and the world was watching to see how it would develop. And, and then slowly later, uh, another little report came out of India, and it was talking about gold. Now, in the Indian culture, gold is very important because it has a lot of religious significance. They, you know, they, they adorn themselves with gold. Um, if you ever see a lot of the, the Hindu depictions, there, there's gold necklaces and earrings and you know, headbands and everything you can think of is, is gold. Um, so, so the Indian people, they, they have lots of it. Well, when you're going to have an economic crisis, gold is going to be very important. So the Indian government basically made it where if females, um, they, they can have nine ounces of gold and, and males could have 18 ounces. And if for some reason something happened to where they were unable to pay their taxes, the government could come in and confiscate any remainder of their gold. Well, for a population that has a lot of gold, holding on to nine or 18 ounces is nothing. But for the government, it's, it's a great way to open up that door to allow confiscation if need be. And, you know, that's what some people believe is kind of the model that is going to progress. And, and if you look at from from a political standpoint, that would be the democracy model. That would be the the model mixed with, uh, you know, uh, kind of a flair of capitalism. Um, then you look at Venezuela. 
And in Venezuela, we have before all this economic crisis happened, Venezuela was very prosperous. They were a, a country that produced a lot of oil. Hugo Chavez was their leader, and he was getting very powerful and very bossy, very um, he was speaking out against the United States quite a bit, and the United States didn't like it. And Hugo Chavez, you know, uh, aligned himself with, you know, Russia and China. Well, part of the reason to bring oil prices down as far as they have been and keep them down as far as they have been was to cripple economies that were based off of petrol, you know, based off of oil. Venezuela is one of those. And so you can see through that economic policy what has happened to Venezuela. Venezuela has been in chaos. Um, they have had hyperinflation hit, which means the value of the Venezuelan currency has dropped drastically. They had supermarkets that had no food on the shelves for a long, long time, no food on the shelves. They had residents going to the zoos and slaughtering animals so they had food to eat. And they have hundreds of thousands of people going to neighboring countries looking for food. I mean, at one time, there was reports saying that how people were getting food in Venezuela is they were using Bitcoin to order food online and have it shipped into the country so they had food to eat. Well, is that similar to India as well? Well, yeah, in India, the same thing. When you had the currency crisis as well, a lot of Indians went online to an online digital currency to be able to purchase their goods because it standardized everything when the rest of the currency was in flux, was having problems. So in both of these scenarios, it was pushed into an online kind of registry, online currency. And then as, you know, these progress, I mean, you can, you could definitely see that Venezuela is kind of more of a, more of a proxy to more the East India, more the West. Um, but then you throw in Syria and Syria is a very unique mix um, because they pretend to be a democracy. And, and I've talked about this before, but it's basically a rigged democracy. Everyone that's against, you know, Assad who's in power is no longer in the country. They've been expelled from the country. They have been removed or killed, or they don't say that they are not aligned with Assad. I mean, the last election he won by 97%. Now, the scary thing is, is also in Syria, there was economic war against its people. And what I mean by that is you take away people's hopes and dreams and houses and livelihoods and businesses. They have nothing else. So they search for a better life. So they leave. And that's where we had the migrant crisis go into Europe and go into Turkey and go into Italy and go into Africa. Well, when you think of this as an actual war tactic, you know, it, it, if you had a dictator that was um, evil, lack of a better term, and cared nothing about his people and knew that he, if he drove his people to desperation, that he could manipulate their actions. If you make it to where people have nothing and they have to leave, well, you're pushing that burden onto everyone else. Well, we know Turkey has been holding that burden. Italy has been holding that burden. To the point that even Italy and Austria are looking to go at each other 
for the sheer fact that Italy can't take any, any more refugees in. So this is by design. This flood from Syria, from Northern Africa into Europe is by design. It is a way to not infiltrate, but a way to deteriorate the, the economy of an entire continent. And if you take away their ability to buy anything in this global world economy, you take away their ability to get food, to get resources, to get everything. Well, what about Venezuela? The same thing is happening in Venezuela. We have reports that people are flooding into Colombia because they believe that there's more opportunity in Colombia, that Venezuela what's going on with this most recent election and saying that the election was tampered with and, you know, same thing is happening in the United States. We don't know who to believe. Was it tampered with? Was it not tampered with? Did he win? Did he not win? We, we, we don't know, but people are leaving the country and they're going to leave in droves, especially if the pol uh, political side of Venezuela falls apart. And the United States is talking about doing further sanctions against Venezuela. Why? We already have this country on their knees. As was brought up earlier, Shell is funneling money from Venezuela and other oil companies, not necessarily giving anything back to the people, but just funneling it out of their country. Well, if Venezuela follows the same as Syria, which they're pretty similar, and you can already see the actions of the people is very similar, then this flood from Venezuela is going to expand. Now, yeah, you're going to have some people go to Brazil, but their economy is falling. The rest of South America has never been an economic powerhouse. Central America has some great tourist de destinations, but never an economic powerhouse. So where's that economic powerhouse? Where is that place of freedom, that place of hope, that place that you can go to to have a better life. Well, that's the United States. So as this problem in Venezuela expands, unfortunately, we're going to see this migrant crisis expand and push these migrants through Central America, through Mexico, into the United States. Yeah, Trump wants to build a wall, and, and yeah, that argument probably supports why to build a wall, but it makes no sense whatsoever to build a wall along the United States-Mexican border. The, the territory is way too long. It's way too harsh of a climate. Um, and then you would have to patrol the wall as well. It makes more sense to put it on Mexico's southern border. And that kind of fits more in line with what George Bush Jr. did back when he signed the North American Alliance, which basically brought... Canada, the United States, and Mexico together economically. I remember there was reports of the Amero that came out back in the day, and they were afraid that you were going to have a North American currency, you know, the North American Union. Well, maybe this is the time that they do that, because building a wall on Mexico's southern border, well, Mexico would pay for the wall then, wouldn't they? It's in Mexico. It's on their southern border. It makes sense. And I've long said that to fix the problem between the United States and Mexico, you give Mexican, Mexico the economic stability that they need. And then the people won't necessarily need to go to the United States for work. But then that also gives the, the United States the produce that they need from Mexico. 
It gives all the products that they need from Mexico into our economy because we cannot sustain our economy without the uh, migrants that we have currently in the United States. We can't. You know, I mean, if anyone's ever seen the, uh, the, day, the movie The Day Without a Mexican, um, it just shows how California's economy would crash if you took out all the illegal immigrants. So we're already intertwined with Mexico. So it makes more sense to put on the southern border. Well, is that going to happen? We may see pretty soon if this crisis in Venezuela you know, spreads. And then Mexico is inundated with refugees trying to come into the United States. And then we take a tough stance against those people. So we may see some drastic, drastic changes happening all across the globe. I mean, if, if you, another little tidbit, when, when everything broke out in Ukraine, w- between Russia and Ukraine, the United States went in there in Ukraine's behalf. And Russia, this is straight from Putin, made a threat. And the threat was that if you do anything to help Ukraine against us, we will help Mexico against you. That was a threat from Putin. Well, if you look at what's happening with the drug cartels in Mexico, there's a possibility that that expansion may happen. Or does it come directly from Venezuela through instead through Mexico? Well, that's yet to be known to see how that'll work out. Now, the, the next little topic that I wanted to talk about is, is kind of a touchy topic, but um, I, I think it's important. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's reports that, uh, you know, Jeff Sessions is, is talking about going against affirmative action, um, you know, in the colleges and the, the uh, primarily discrimination against whites. Um, and we see this, this rise in this, you know, white rights or, you know, there's a white genocide or all this, all this stuff that's happening. Well, when you start to separate people, um, you're, you're going to run into some issues. And unfortunately, I think this affirmative action review is kind of part of a bigger topic, which is the racial divide that we're having within the United States itself, the economic divide that we have in the United States themselves, the social divide, the division period. Um, and, there, there was something that the NAACP came out and, and said that was very disturbing to me. Um, you know, I mean, the NAACP has always been a, a beacon for, um, you know, people of color um, and trying to protect them or give them warnings if they see a problem on the horizon. Well, the NAACP came out this last week and issued its first statewide travel advisory. And this is for the state of Missouri. Um, I, I guess there was a, a law that, that recently was put into place. It was a Senate Bill 43 uh, for the state of Missouri. And it basically makes it to where um, if an employer fires you uh, because of race or sex or anything else, that the burden of proof lies on the person being fired more than anything else. And so it makes it more difficult to prove that you were discriminated against. Well, this is the first travel advisory 
at the state or national level that the NAACP's ever given. And they've gone through, and, and it, I, I was reading this article, and it was just chilling kind of what they were saying because, I mean, for an organization like this to come out and issue a statewide travel warning, it's, it's very eerie. But it, it just says in this interview, it says, people should tell their relatives if they have to travel through the state. They need to be aware. They should have bail money. You never know. Um, it says, in the advisory, the NAACP urges individuals to warn their family, coworkers, and anyone visiting Missouri to beware of the safety concerns with travel in Missouri. These concerns, the organization writes, could include unnecessary search and seizure and potential arrest. They went on and said that this travel advisory is remaining into effect for the foreseeable future. They don't see it ever going away because this law is never going away. Now, the reason I bring this up is, is it's a divide and conquer tactic. And, and we're seeing that across the United States. If, if the American public, regardless of race or sex or creed or class or whatever, if the, if the population of the United States ever realized what was going on and stood up for what was going on, the ruling elite would never, ever be able to control themselves. And, I mean, we've seen that through history. I mean, the French Revolution was a great example of that. But if you divide the population to where they fight amongst themselves, then they never rise up against the ruling class. And, and we can see the Middle East is a prime example of that. That's exactly what they've done there. So the Middle East is your, is your template of, of the division that will, is being put in place in the United States. And we see that division growing and growing and growing. I mean, there's, I, I saw a report that talked about the group Antifa how they came out with a manual that actually describes how to torture and execute people. I mean, this is, this is a group that is rising up that's against the fascist state, basically. But the, the fact that they have this, this manual is a scary prospect. But this is our society. This is what we are turning into. And... I just fear that this division is going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And as these, the, the fall unfolds, you know, if these events that happen in, in August and September happen the way that a lot of people are predicting, then, well, this division is just going to splinter and it's going to fester and it's going to get a lot worse. So we need to watch these laws that are coming out. We need to watch any group that is having any kind of laws against them and see what is in those laws and see if it can be used against other groups as well. You know, it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's great to say, Hey, you know, no one should have an Uzi, but if you take out and make it so that way, everyone can't have any kind of gun it's completely different. And that is, that is a fight on a horizon as well. Um, because if they're going to limit people's rights, people get scared. When people get scared, they, they lash out. And um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen anytime soon. Um, but if this division continues, it may be on our horizon fairly soon. And I, I hope that that's not the case. But I hope I explained some things, Matthew, and I'll hand it back to you and, and uh, kind of start off from there. 
I hear you, Quentin. I I heard everything you said. Ladies and gentlemen, let's let's talk about our own economy. This week that the Dow closed above twenty two thousand this week. Now at the same time we've got experts screaming something's wrong, something's wrong, something's wrong. Here's a headline from this week. Art Cashin is nervous. Ten percent of the Dow has presi- has provided fifty percent of its gains. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can't see what is just around the corner, I don't know. I know that Clinton shared an article in one of the prior broadcasts about massive amounts of people showing up for one job. It happened this week at Amazon. Amazon come out and did a job fair for just warehouse jobs. Now, I'm going to read directly from the article. Although wages offered will make it hard for some to make ends meet. Amazon said it received a record-breaking 20,000 applications. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you can't figure out why 20,000 people showed up when the mainstream news comes right out and produces this headline… Thousands show up for jobs at Amazon warehouses in U.S. cities when it plainly comes – although the wages offered will make it hard for some to make ends meet, this is this is below poverty-level jobs here is what they're trying to say. Now, now, let me make sure you understand, ladies and gentlemen. Minimum wage is a whole lot whopping difference than the federally set poverty level. You need to go look that up. So Clinton told me to keep my eyes out for this, and it came out this week. So we're obviously having serious trouble economically that it's just not making any sense. I mean when we look at the records for the stock market, and I did this this week, ladies and gentlemen, when you've got only 10% of the available stock options that are producing over 50% of the entirety of the gains… You're 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 in what they call a dead calm if you're a seafaring merchant. You're in dead calm. Speaking of dead, ladies and gentlemen. The Gulf of Mexico has been measured to have a dead zone of eight thousand seven hundred and seventy six square miles. What does that mean? What's a dead zone? It's what I told you all to watch for. It's a massive patch of oxygen-depleted water. It's, it's making the fish suffocate, ladies and gentlemen. And they start, of course, uh, trying to give you reasons why. Don't believe any of that. Okay, this report comes out from the Gulf Hypoxia Task Force. Now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you when we've had secretly a government organization put together for just the Gulf to monitor the hypoxia, ladies and gentlemen? In the words of the National Oceanic Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, 
the finding shows that and then they go on to give you a reason why this would happen. Of course, it's got nothing to do with the rate at which oxygen I mean I mean you all need to wrap your minds around this. Water is oxygen. It's H two O. Now, this week, we've had massive weather chaos going on. In Europe, uh, this was from BBC, Europe heat wave sparks health warnings as temperatures soar. Ladies and gentlemen, please realize that Europe is north of the United States, okay? They're not used to getting in their major cities 111 degrees Fahrenheit. They're just not. In Italy, uh, they think that's what sparked all the wildfires there. Um, you need to understand, in Italy, the health ministry has issued its maximum heat alert. What's really off the charts is this headline from this week. United Arab Emirates temperatures so high cars are bursting into flames. Now, I'm not going to debate with this article because it provided the videos. The ambient temperature was 104 degrees, but when they were sitting on the black top combined with the uh, black tires of the cars, they just started bursting into flames. Okay, I'm sorry if you think that's normal. I, I, I really do. But, you know, what was the whole reason why Job got upset? Well, because things weren't normal anymore. Today's break is going to be Job chapter 5 through 8. We'll be right back in 9 minutes, 28 seconds. Book of Job, chapter 5. Call now, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints wilt thou turn? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. His children are far from safety, and they are crushed in the gate, neither is there any to deliver them. Whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of the thorns, and the robber swalloweth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble, as the sparks fly upward. I would seek unto God, and unto God would I commit my cause, which doeth great things, and unsearchable, marvelous things, without number, who giveth rain upon the earth, and sendeth waters upon the fields, to set up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. He disappointeth the devices of the crafty, so that their hands cannot perform their enterprise. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness, and the counsel of the froward is carried headlong. They meet with darkness in the daytime, and grope in the noonday as in the night. But he saveth the poor from the sword, from their mouth, and from the hand of the mighty. So the poor hath hope, and iniquity stoppeth her mouth. Behold, happy is the man whom God correcteth 
Therefore, despise not thou the chastening of the Almighty. For he maketh sore, and bindeth up. He woundeth, and his hands make whole. He shall deliver thee in six troubles, yea, in seven there shall no evil touch thee. In famine he shall redeem thee from death, and in war from the power of the sword. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue, neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when it cometh. At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh, neither shalt thou be afraid of the beasts of the earth, for thou shalt be in league with the stones of the field, and the beasts of the field shall be at peace with thee. And thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace, and thou shalt visit thy habitation, and shalt not sin. Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great, and thine offspring as the grass of the earth. Thou shalt come to thy grave in a full age, like as a shock of corn cometh in in this season. Lo this, we have searched it, so it is. Hear it, and know thou it for thy good. Chapter 6 But Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were truly weighed, and my calamity laid in the balances together. For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words are swallowed up. For the arrows of the Almighty are within me, the poison whereof drinketh up my spirit. The terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. Doth the wild ass bray when he hath grass, or loweth the ox over his fodder? Can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt, or is there any taste in the white of an egg? The things that my soul refused to touch are as my sorrowful meat. Oh, that I might have my request and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. Then should I yet have comfort, yea, I would harden myself in sorrow. Let him not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones, or is my flesh of brass? Is not my help in me? and his wisdom driven quite from me. To him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend, but he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. My brethren have dealt deceitfully as a brook, and as a stream of brooks they pass away, which are blackish by reason of the ice, and wherein the snow is hid. What time they wax warm, they vanish, when it is hot they are consumed out of their place. The paths of their way are turned aside, they go to nothing and perish. The troops of Tima looked, the companies of Sheba waited for them. They were confounded because they had hoped. They came thither and were ashamed. For now ye are nothing. Ye see my casting down and are afraid. Did I say, bring unto me? Or give a reward for me of your substance? Or deliver me from the enemy's hand? Or redeem me from the hand of the mighty? Teach me and I will hold my tongue and cause me to understand wherein I have heard. How forcible are right words. But what doth your arguing reprove? Do ye imagine to reprove words and the speeches of one that is desperate, which are as wind? Yea, ye overwhelm the fatherless, and ye dig a pit for your friend. Now therefore be content, look upon me, for it is evident unto you if I lie. Return, I pray you, let it not be iniquity. Yea, return again, my righteousness is in it. Is there iniquity in my tongue? Cannot my taste discern perverse things? Chapter 7 Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of an hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow, and as an hireling looketh for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess months of vanity, and wearisome nights are appointed to me. 
When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? I am full of tossings to and fro until the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind. Mine eye shall no more see good. The eye of him that hath seen me shall see me no more. Thine eyes are upon me, and I am not. As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him any more. Therefore I will not refrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Am I a sea or a whale that thou settest a watch over me? When I say my bed shall comfort me, my couch shall ease my complaint, then thou scarest me with dreams and terrifiest me through visions, so that my soul chooses strangling and death rather than my life. I loathe it. I would not live alway. Let me alone, for my days are vanity. What is man that thou shouldest magnify him, and that thou shouldest set thine heart upon him, and that thou shouldest visit him every morning and try him every moment? How long wilt thou not depart from me, nor let me alone, till I swallow down my spittle? I have sinned. What shall I do unto thee, O thou preserver of men? Why hast thou set me as a mark against thee, so that I am a burden to myself? And why dost thou not pardon my transgression, and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust, and thou shalt seek me in the morning, but I shall not be. Chapter 8 then answered Bildad the Shuhite and said, How long wilt thou speak these things? And how long shall the words of thy mouth be like a strong wind? Doth God pervert judgment? Or doth the Almighty pervert justice? If thy children have sinned against him, and he have cast them away for their transgression, if thou wouldest seek unto God betimes, and make thy supplication to the Almighty, if thou wert pure and upright, surely now he would awake for thee, and make the habitation of thy righteousness prosperous. Though thy beginning was small, yet thy latter end should greatly increase. For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. For we are but of yesterday, and know nothing, because our days upon earth are a shadow. Shall not they teach thee, and tell thee, and utter words out of their heart? Can the rush grow up without mire? Can the flag grow without water? Whilst it is yet in his greenness, and not cut down, it withereth before any other herb. So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrite's hope shall perish, whose hope shall be cut off, and whose trust shall be a spider's web. He shall lean upon his house, but it shall not stand. He shall hold it fast, but it shall not endure. He is green before the sun, and his branch shooteth forth in his garden. His roots are wrapped about the heap, and seeth the place of stones. If he destroy him from his place, then it shall deny him, saying, I have not seen thee. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the earth shall others grow. Behold, God will not cast away a perfect man, neither will he help the evildoers, till he fill thy mouth with laughing and thy lips with rejoicing. They that hate thee shall be clothed with shame, and the dwelling place of the wicked shall come to naught. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. I hope we all figure out how to do that. You caught that, didn't you? 
How can you cry out to God and not tick him off? Ah, yes, the riddle, Psalm 73. Good stuff. Bry, it's your shot at the saddle, buddy. Ride for glory. Oh, boy. Well, that's where I'm trying to debate where to start here, but I don't know. I guess maybe since this was one of the last things brought up, I had already uh, wanted to address uh, some certain odds and ends in this department about, well, to put this lightly, because I actually want to do an entire program on this in the future, but there's been a disturbing pattern I've been seeing taking place that seems to have flared up again uh, over the course of the last I would have to say since about 2008 is when it got into high gear playing out again this uh, infamous white versus red ideologies now we've talked about the white horse and the red horse and I've been seriously reconsidering what that red horse actually represents because there's this 40-year pattern of playing nationalism off of socialism or as they try to label one as in communism and I guess uh, the more disturbing aspect is is the easiest way to understand the nationalism portion of this is to well national socialism which technically speaking, is Nazism. Social nationalism was communism. This play back and forth and back and forth between these uh, patterns that seem to fall on these very specific markings all throughout history as if on schedule between this 40-year rotation. This sort of becomes important when we evaluate things that are happening on the world scene right now as we speak. For instance, the uh, Venezuela circumstances brought up. The major thing of importance in this, of course, is, well, it's the oil. This is one of the biggest points of contention that the policymakers here in the United States, as they try to throw sanctions into this equation, they're going, well, we don't want to harm the oil. That should almost sound familiar, folks. And they're being very careful as in how they approach this. We have alignments that are going on with Venezuela where they are aligned with Russia, with uh, Russia, Iran, uh, Cuba, and I'm trying to remember if there's any other ones off the top of my head, but these are all nations that are strongly allied with Russia. You know, and I've seen a lot of uh, short-sightedness within the media that seems to like to play these games where they kind of pretend they don't really know what's going on. Mike Pence this week, for instance, was out all over the place within the uh, Balkan nations and the breakaway nations from Soviet Russia, which essentially the vast majority of those all aligned with NATO, which therefore, of course, once again, and flared up tensions with Russia at a pretty early stage. 
But, you know, folks, we have to recall that what happened in 1989, we had the fall of the Soviet Union transpire. By 1999, throughout the Yugoslavia War with Kosovo and the whole rest of the, uh, well, I mean, covert actions, once again, to sort of keep Russia at bay is really the nicest way of putting it, because that's really what literally played out. In the midst of that, besides the fact that there was white phosphorus being used, uh, buried uh, radioactive rounds and so forth, there's still war criminal, uh, uh, war crimes trials that nations within the Balkans are trying to bring to the forefront. And they get batted down in five seconds because we know how infamously everything is written into these different laws and nobody can be prosecuted for doing anything. It's kind of disturbing when you actually consider it. But when they bombed the uh, Chinese embassy there in Belgrade, well, right on schedule in 1999, the next 10-year phase, this started this play between white versus red again. And we can't negate the fact that this caused a relaunching of the Cold War. When we look at everything that's happening on the world scene as we speak because no matter how much any nation wants to attempt to interfere in another nation's activities you're still playing with a wild card you're dealing with people inside of these nations whatever leader happens to be thrown into place or whatever however it plays out this can end up being literally a loaded gun You never know what's going to go in which direction. But we've got the circumstance that has boiled to a head now. You look at the next 10-year pattern, you're going to recognize it's real standout when you realize 1929 was the Depression, whipping around to 2008-2009. Once again, we had an economic turmoil that led to the final stage. By the final stage, you're doing what? Well, the nations start realigning their economy, resetting everything into place. Isolationism so that they can build their war machine. Folks, we saw Germany pull this multiple times. We saw it happen with Russia when they were invaded by Germany after they broke the treaty with Russia. We saw it happen in the United States most prominently during World War II after the Great Depression, and it whipped the economy right back around to being in shape. And that's where maybe I should draw people's attention to something that obviously, because I haven't seen nothing about it come up in the news, and I think everybody should have been alarmed immediately when they recognized that July 21st of 2017, there's a presidential executive order on assessing, strengthening, the Manufacturing and Defense Industrial Base and Supply Chain Resiliency of the United States. Okay, I've been slowly working this my way through this bill and trying to pay attention to everything that's been stated thus far. At the same time, and folks, you might want to come over here and take a look at this uh, executive order because this is a disturbing pattern, and this is only leading one place. 
this is leading to, this is a buildup. This is an absolute buildup for war. And you can't escape what's happening here. And when we have this 40-year cycle of events always dropping on these nines, we have these buildups of nationalism, and then we have the uh, buildup of, well, I would more prefer to call anti-socialism because that seems to be the chain that keeps lighting these fuses. During the last uh, administration here in the United States, you begin to find out that this uh, rhetoric starts floating around that uh, comparing the uh, left ideologies, the left-wing ideologies with communism. That's exactly what they were doing. But they've been playing this deeper game here, folks, that you need to wake up to because this is a dangerous game that's being played. There is a false pretense that floats around out there, and you can catch this in comments that these people are making on varied... uh, News stories, they really stand out where they're playing this. For instance, uh, the big one that everybody's throwing and playing this card with is the uh, George Soros and communist Bolshevik. Um, Not true. How do we put this? Alignment. With the uh, Jews, they call it some sort of uh, Zionist banker conspiracy, is how I saw it once again referred to yesterday. Which is not the case. If you know anything about the Bolshevik Revolution and you've looked into the numbers, okay, folks, the Jews were not at the top of the chain behind the Bolshevik Revolution. That's absolute nonsense. As I stated before in a previous episode that we did, you were looking at, there was like 6% of people that were Jews that were even involved in any shape, way, or form. 6% is nothing. This was not some kind of Zionist conspiracy. And they, they're going off the nonsense, once again, of this elder protocols of Zion. That's where they're pulling this nonsense from, which has been completely disproven. It was nothing more than propaganda. And the thing is, folks, you need to check yourself when you start pulling into these mindsets because you do realize where this kind of propaganda came from. Okay, you might want to go out and pay attention to what happened as the build-up to World War II with Nazi Germany because that's where this propaganda came from. And they're using it again. There's things going on with Soros that I stated last week. that It's a complicated little factor. But I think that's all literally irrelevant when you realize that this is being used to build this exact same style of propaganda all over again. For instance, we've had flare-ups inside of Hungary. Netanyahu happened to be out in Hungary at the same time we were having all the trouble on the Temple Mount. Trying to, how would you say it, quell this anti-Semitism that's flaring up there. We've had nationalist parties moving to the front in Hungary again. We've seen this happening all over the place in varied nations within Europe. 
And it's just, once again, it's all flaring out of absolute control. Here in the United States, they started using this nonsense against the last administration, especially once the Koch brothers got into full force, moving with the Tea Party and then on top of it turning around. And since they passed that law, they've been going in and buying out Supreme Court justices. They've completely bought out the entire Senate, Congress, not all of it, but a mass majority of it, enough to make a damaging difference across the board. Their father basically was in the mentalities and the ideologies of anti-communism due to the fact that, for instance, his refineries that he had there in Russia, he got to see firsthand what happened after Stalin seized the reins. And it basically got him into this mindset of just anti-communism stuff that really became prevalent, obviously, when we saw McCarthyism break out in the United States, so on and so forth. So they started, once again, they started regurgitating and recycling this nonsense. Now, I just, I really, it almost makes me giggle after what Matthew and I had been looking at earlier this week. Because, folks, one of the chief economic advisors in the White House, oh boy, I mean, everybody's running around with their anti-George Soros and saying that everything that's going on when people are protesting against some of the absolute and complete nonsense that's been happening all over this nation with the racial rhetoric, the anti-immigration, the anti-refugee, just all this insanity we've been seeing break out ever since this last election cycle came into place. Folks, that new economic advisor worked hand-in-hand with Soros. So where does your Soros-aligned conspiracy all of a sudden go? I mean, folks, do you not understand that you're being played in a propaganda game here of white versus red? Great big bunch of articles that have been getting dropped as far as what's been going on with, you know, a nice little warning. uh, One of our listeners had caught, I think, both of these, as a matter of fact, about, for instance, warnings that America has now slipped into theocracy hate to be the bearer of bad news, folks, but I warned you to watch for that a long time ago. Big old nice uh, article written up on everything that's been happening within the Dominionist circles. Well, I refer to them as Crusader circles. And how much effect and influence they're having on completely and absolutely taking down the government. And the Koch brothers are hand-in-hand hand with this movement. They've infiltrated it. They've used it as a weapon. And they've done just exactly that. I mean, folks, do you not comprehend the uh, psychosis? For instance, um, one of the chief moving forces within uh, the Dominionist circles, Abraham Verdi. Okay, his whole uh, statement and this is what they follow, deadpan within these uh, crusader circles here in America, he stated that, well, Christianity has had it wrong all these years. It's not supposed to be the meek and the humble and blah, blah, blah. It's supposed to be all the rich people taking over all the world. And then we can force 
our beliefs on them, kind of like what happened during the Inquisition and I don't know whether all over the world at that point in history or have we forgotten what happened then. You see, that was the ideology that Verdi brought along into the equation as they have their infamous prayer breakfast and as they station and set up politicians and different people all throughout the entire world that they put over, that are over the top of these circumstances. They think they can bring them into this little group and then, boom, they got them doing their will. Well, this has just been nothing more than rehashed and reinforced through these crusader chains. That's exactly what they're doing in America. Okay, folks, they walked in a broad daylight after 84 with the neocons, and they literally infiltrated the church, pushing political agendas from the pulpit. And how many out there just went for it hook, line, and sinker? I mean, around here, you'll walk into a room, and basically they'll tell you pretty much the way things roll is we, we show up on Sunday, we vote right wing. It's nonsense. It's absolute insanity. And I am watching time and time again here in the United States, folks, you're getting played. Now, they're playing you with this nationalism versus socialism nonsense, and you don't even realize what you're running around and doing. They're pulling you into the same mindsets. They're rehashing the exact same lies that led to World War II. And it's just, it's happening again. I can't even believe the nonsense that comes out of some of these right-wing sites because that's the game, that's the card they're playing. It's the Bolshevik Revolution all over again. It's a Zionist conspiracy. Nonsense all the way across the board. So this divide that's happened here in America, let me ask everybody a real simple question. How many of you played into this nice little divide by your actions? I mean, I can't make it five feet without looking at comments on news stories or things that are being said out of people's mouths that are just further bringing along this division. And what do you not comprehend about the fact that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand? This nation's rotting from the inside out. Where does everybody see this quote-unquote empire going at this point? Okay, folks, they gutted the schools. Where's the future lie in that? Who's going to bring forward technological advances, manufacturing advances, things that would keep this empire rolling forward when you gutted the schools down to the point of unless you're segregated into an area where you have a lot of money and can go to proper schooling, you're not going to get an education. Where's the future in this? Oh, that's right. Presidential executive order on assessing and strengthening the manufacturing and defense base and supply chain resiliency of the United States. That's where this is leading. And it's stated flat out in broad daylight in here in this executive order about affecting education towards manufacturing and defense. The fuse has been lit. Man, didn't people realize what they did there? 
I mean, we hadn't even made it, what? We came to 2008, Georgia, Ossetia War. Georgia, back by the West, just starts firing missiles in the end of the night. And then, you know, in America, they run around saying, oh, Russia instigated that war. No, they didn't. And every investigation that has ever been done on the entire Georgia-Ossetia War proves that Russia did not instigate anything. And then we flip the tables. We come back around to what? 2014. Anybody not recognize 2014, 1914, 100 years? 2014, the Ukrainian crisis flared up. Once again, they said the Russians started it, even though all, every shred of evidence on the ground, multiple investigations from multiple reliable sources, eyewitness testimony, passed along, verbal testimony, states full well what happened in there as they stormed in with what? White versus red. They played the nationalist card against Russia, who, mind you, is not communist any longer. And yet they played that same card. Flared up that even more so. What happened as well in 2014? Islamic State showed up on the scene. Folks, don't you recognize the fact that Let's see, I can think of three times in history where they imprisoned a bunch of people together and then next thing you know, absolute pandemonium and chaos breaks loose. Nazi Germany, most of the main players in the Nazi party were thrown together in a prison together. The Bolshevik Revolution, once again, a lot of the key players were thrown together in a prison together. Islamic State, the key players in its second Reiteration. Everybody forgets about phase number one. And then second reiteration, once again, they were all thrown together in a prison together. I mean, that that kind of strikes me as a little peculiar. Islamic State flares up. They go shooting a lot of Iraq, go up into Syria. Next thing, what is happening? All of a sudden, lo and behold, you're getting... It was a nonstop barrage. It's probably still floating out there. Everybody was stating World War III had started. And it caused mass pandemonium. Finally, Russia jumped into the equation. Now they're getting sanctions put on them that are breaking. They're getting sanctions put on them for the Ukraine, never mind the fact that the West initiated that. They're getting sanctions put on them for jumping into Syria and propping up the Assad regime, which we just kind of claimed we were going to do the same thing. And then they put sanctions on them for doing it. How does that make any kind of logical sense, folks? You see, it's, it's come out in the broad daylight what we've known the whole time. We've been arming the groups fighting against Assad. Well, inadvertently, that means somehow, yeah, folks, not good. You know, it's been in broad daylight on top of it that ISIS had been funneling stuff through Turkey. I have seen now on the ground evidence that even shows what was happening. And we had Erdogan here not long ago propping him up, handing him weapons. Once again, we got the infamous circles running around in the media with the Russian collusion. But, you know, I know what to look for. And Michael Flynn's um, re re-released uh, financial information really spills the beans on everything that's happening. 
got this flare-up. It's happening again and again and again. They've now thrown these sanctions into place that is causing absolute contention with Germany. Once again, they've ticked off Germany. We've learned, historically speaking, that's never a wise move. They threw the sanctions in to stop the energy, the uh, gas, oil, varied things from moving throughout Eastern Europe into Western Europe with the stated position of, well, we will supply all of our energy needs to Eastern Europe, Western Europe, all of our allies through that area. So guess whose pocketbooks get filled to the brink? Oh, yeah, that's right. What were those Koch brothers like I brought up before? You see, they're the easy ones to find, but irregardless of the fact, you've got these uh, oil barons that are up top running this show, doing this economic warfare. I mean, trade wars is an infamous nice way to put it, but I think when you really begin to break it down even more so, you're looking at a form of economic warfare happening. And now this has pushed Germany into a tight corner because they had solidified deals to bring in that gas and oil across in-trade deals with Russia. But now, of course, they put sanctions on them. They put sanctions on Iran and North Korea. Well, already it's been released as of yesterday or the last couple of days that now Iran and Russia are going to start working together a lot more closely trading technology, so on and so forth. Yeah, you see that, that little move, it pushed their alliances even closer. Now we have them up on the Venezuela border. It's suicide, and they know it full well to launch an attack on the United States, considering that we got military bases stationed all over the world. So they're going to use a different tactic here. But the problem is, is when you have an executive order that pops out just like this. Okay, folks, I have warned you time and time again. His entire rhetoric, this administration's rhetoric as they were coming through the election, they kept stating over and over and over again about redoing the entire structuring of the United States Defensive Forces to do what? You don't do this ever anywhere historically unless you are planning on going to war. All right there, setting it up so that any available resources that we need in the United States, they will start bringing back and forth between their own manufacturing plants. Okay, this is standard protocol in wartime. Any way that they can of securing resources that are needed. Okay, has everybody been paying attention to what's been stated about Afghanistan? I mean, come on, it's a resource-rich nation. God went out of his way to let us know that. We talked about the location of Eden there in Pakistan and right around that same region of Afghanistan. The Bible tells you emphatically that place has resources galore. Let us talk a moment maybe about other disturbing developments that have been going on as far as, well, for one, Turkey. We just had another uh, notice regarding 
This was released on July 29th of uh, 2017. Notice regarding the continuation of the national emergency with respect to Lebanon. And this kind of ties in with Hezbollah. And you got another portion that goes on top of it with this. From the President to the Congress of the United States, once again, tied in with Lebanon. There's been all kinds of uh, troubling maneuvering going on with Lebanon. And yet, you see, it's rather interesting when you begin to learn the real reality of what happened during Iran-Contra. And the fact that a major arms dealer and drug dealer that was aligned with Syria and Russia was working behind the scenes and that the United States and Britain were using that means to try to trade arms for hostages. The arms would end up going over to Iran. And then they're trying to get these hostages back. You had the CIA leader that was being held hostage by Iran, but lo and behold, it turns out he was dead the whole time. Not the whole time, but a good majority of it there later. Well, it turned out at that time on top of it as well that Syria was actually holding more control over Hezbollah than Iran was. You see, George Bush Sr. had his hands real dirty in the midst of the Iran-Contra. As a matter of fact, he had his own intelligence grouping running behind the scenes during the Reagan White House, leaving Reagan completely out of the loop to anything that was going on. And all of a sudden, we've got Mike Pence running around, and he's continually making bold statements that are being picked up by the press that are pretty uh, indicative of some heavy-duty saber-rattling. Then, kind of draw a bit of a correlation around into a circle, we had three different stories that broke out in Israel this week about the fact that, for one, well, actually, this is two different variants because it starts to paint a nice little picture. For one, we had Turkey was uh, funneling funds over to Hamas and other terror organizations over in Palestine. We also had releases as well with things going on with the Palestinian Authority, with United States uh, training to at least try to bring about some kind of security factors, with trying to attempt to keep the peace, but we've seen so much play back and forth going on between Palestinian Authority and different other groups within Palestine that it's gotten to the point of absolute confusion. It turns out, well, during those phases on top of it, we once again, we had DynCorp, which, well, folks, that was the company owned by Eric Prince. He's now running Frontier Services. Had them over there training the Palestinian Authority. We find out we got money being funneled through from Turkey that's been going into the hands of terror organizations in Palestine. But then, lo and behold, we had Flynn's nice little economic reports and they know full well that he's been tight in with the Turkish government that's why he had to apply as a foreign agent folks 
we are seeing treachery unbound on atypical levels that you would see when you have energy sector people running the show. I mean, they're talking about swapping around one more new player in the mix as they uh, turn the uh, White House upside down, so to say, as they keep reshuffling people. Now they want to put in the uh, CIA head to remove uh, Mattis from the equation. That CIA head, as is atypical within any of the revolving door policies within the intelligence communities, you see they go back and forth between the oil companies and then they go into the intelligence community and back and forth and back and forth. You see, our espionage really comes down to working with the uh, economic factors. The oil barons is the most prominent, obviously, but it had its roots in other places. Before oil was part of the equation, it was being done elsewhere in the world in the same pattern, revolving door policy back and forth and back and forth. Or maybe the revolving door policy about, it was brought up, I don't know what this WikiLeaks thing is saying, and I mean, to be thoroughly honest, I get a little frustrated with WikiLeaks at times because, well, they just sort of release stuff that is like already known or they release stuff that at times from some of the little tiny details I've seen come through other websites and so forth about whatever was released, it can kind of be misleading is that intentional? I don't really know one way or the other. I suspect that he's getting information from a multitude of sources, and, well, you can't really vet every one of those sources. But I don't know if they actually mentioned how the NSA really works. It's always been set up to do this. You see, they've got other Western intelligence agencies. Um, for instance, the chief one that they were using before was Britain, where, well, who would do the listening in on American citizens? Well, it was Britain. And then they would pass along the information to the United States and vice versa, where the United States was listening in on Britain, for instance, or whatever Western interest and passing the information along that way. That's how they've been doing stuff so that they cannot get in trouble for spying on their own citizens. So I'm not altogether certain what kind of stuff came out in this new release, but I'm telling you folks, that's the way the actual setup works with the NSA. And you might want to figure out where they started pulling this stunt first because, well, between Hoover, he was a bit paranoid. Everybody kind of has a degree of understanding about that one. And other groups within it, well, who do you think they started bugging first, especially when Israel was about to become a nation? Okay, folks, they were bugging the Jews nonstop. They were following every move they made anytime they were trying to send some kind of economic relief over to help Israel because on a continual basis the various uh, western nations kept leaving them in predicaments where they had no way to defend themselves they'd bring in stuff at the last minute I mean look at the Yom Kippur war for Pete's sakes they knew multiple days ahead of time that that was going to be launched and they didn't say a word to them they just let them get hit by Syria from one end and Egypt on the other side I mean it's all right there in broad daylight so when I see activities such as what I just brought up about all of a sudden Israeli intelligence is releasing that funding has been coming from Turkey 
over into the hands of terrorists. And I know full well that we've had some, well, we had the Cyprus money laundering. We had stuff going on with Flynn playing around with Turkey as well. There seems to be all kinds of interplay with these different foreign agencies. It's going to come to a breaking point. And I stated it way before it was released into the news, folks. You can't be looking at this whole, everything that's breaking out with this uh, aspects with Russia within the news cycles as being just some simple, they were colluding with Russia. No, folks, you need to look at this just like the Iran-Contra. But I think you need to scale it up a few thousand notches. They're doing stuff behind the scenes. You're seeing that all these money trails are tracing this way, that way, and the other way. You keep seeing that they're investigating them for this, that, and the other thing. And all of a sudden, it just disappears into thin air. It goes back into the same circles. But then we get stuff like this coming out on July 29th on an, you know, an executive order. Actually, July 21st. And nobody's talking about this in the news cycle. And they play this game back and forth, this red versus white, red versus white. Nationalist versus socialist. I don't know who's going to light the fuse, but I'll tell you one thing. America's gearing up, just like I said, for that fuse to be lit. And this kind of gear up just like this is no different than what happened in Nazi Germany. No different than what happened in Russia for instance, when the invasion came in after Germany broke that treaty. Folks, you don't do what's happening here in the United States unless you're planning on doing only one thing. And we've got so many factors sitting here right now, so many breaking points, so many shattering points across the board that it's utterly ridiculous. But man, I can't say this enough. Everybody, you need to get your heads out of this propaganda game. You need to stop being a part of it. If you're getting caught up in this nationalism versus socialism propaganda, that you're right where they want you. You're completely distracted. You're in the midst of causing division on your own accord. Maybe not intentionally doing it, but after a while when you start taking this stuff in over and over and over again, you sort of unintentionally start saying these things and acting this way. I mean, how would I know this? I was caught inside of the uh, insanity for almost 10 years within the middle of the uh, Dominionist signs and wonders circles. And I watched each and every one of them become puppets with the same mentality. Same stuff starts coming out of their mouths to, I, to the point they're not allowed even to speak to me anymore. I don't want them around because it's turned into full-blown hatred. It's turned into, um, you know, we had a big story that was caught and released the other day about how church was pulled about poor people. And they said that, well, people are poor because they don't try hard enough to work. Okay, let me ask everybody a question. 
question here for those of you that were responsible for that poll or anybody listening that seems to be in that mindset. What about the people that, for instance, like are running for their lives throughout the Middle East as they're having bombs dropped on their head? Or maybe in South America. Or maybe, uh, I don't know, it seems to be everywhere in the world outside of this nice little plot of dirt and maybe up into Canada. So you're going to tell me that the reason that they're poor is because they're not exerting themselves hard enough. So you're going to use that as an excuse to do exactly like, for instance, what the, uh, you know, what's been written into the the new uh, agendas of those kind of controlling the show within the right wing dominionist circles. Well, we don't want to put anything towards welfare. We don't want to help people. We want to cut off all forms, Medicaid, Medicare, get rid of Social Security. We'll make stuff up, as a matter of fact, to get people to believe that Social Security doesn't even have any money anymore. But then on top of it, you'll do exactly what I've seen done here. Exactly what I've seen done here. Okay, folks, we have an extra person that has been staying with us because they have nowhere to go. So that puts us in a bit of a pinch to make it from time to time, so we go to the food banks, or at least one food pantry, because it just turned out being what I saw years ago. It's no different. They bring back the food, thinking at least we got enough to make it, and you go and look at the expiration dates, and it's sometimes a good year and a year, year and a half expired. You see, that's what these people believe is charity nowadays. Oh, look, I can go through my cupboards and, oh, this is expired. I'll give this away to the poor people. not knowing what the left or the right hand is doing. And yet they run around and they they hand in their ties, put it in the check so they can write it off on their tax returns. This is how they're treating the poor. But then on top of it, they're, you know, because at first in their mind, somehow they thought, well, we can make the political realm do our job for us. But now they're rallying for the political realm not to do anything. So now we have a whole circumstance in this nation where much of the church no longer functions as it should. And they've got their heads caught up in these propaganda games and everything else. We got the entire world is just sitting here slowly spinning out of control. Yeah, we got people running after, for instance, you know, we've had to talk about the Revelation twelve thing multiple times you know the eclipse is rather ironic you know i know they want to push forward from this eclipse to the next one as being the big marker but folks you might want to take a look at when the last one was so i've told everybody about a billion times now that 1979 point in history was the mega marker because everything we're seeing now pivoted right off that moment it's 2300 years after the death of alexander the great on top of it that's when that last eclipse across America was. It was in 1979. Now, yes, I understand what this one is doing, but I think, folks, if you're going to be focused on that eclipse, you might want to look backwards in history to realize that that was marking off the pivot point that caused every single event that we're seeing on the world stage now. So maybe that eclipse is more of a warning than everybody has realized it is. I don't know, but I do know what I'm seeing, 
and I'm seeing a historical pattern. I'm seeing one that God set on a 40-year revolving circle marked off on the nines. I'm also seeing the fact that in 2014, we moved into that 100-year marker of World War One, And that's when everything really started to heat up something fierce. I'm seeing disturbing actions with Pence being out, getting all the NATO nations ready. I'm seeing disturbing actions here on the United States soil as they're redirecting everything towards the military machinery. It's moving in that direction, folks. And I'm just going to keep it there. Maybe I didn't cover news, but I sure did try to cover a lot of ground here because, I don't know, I'm seeing disturbing developments on the ground. That's all there is to it. Back over to you guys. Clinton, you know, in our private conversation today, we talked about your thoughts about what was going to happen economically, and you brought something up. You said that, well, I think Trump will be impeached or he'll step down. And I thought to myself, well, do we have any precedents of this in history? Well, of course we do. Of course we do. See, domestically, Ford presided over the worst economy in four decades since the Great Depression with growing inflation and recession during his tenure. Well, there's a couple of things everybody's forgetting to remind you about Gerald Ford. He was never elected to nothing, not anything. You see, because the vice president, he come under criminal investigation and, and – uh, well, one of the people uh, engaged in that said that, uh, well, I've got all the records in my attic, if you all want them. Every time that uh, Shapiro got a kickback for giving me a construction contract. So, ladies and gentlemen, Gerald Ford was the minority <laughs> leader in the House. So when Sapiro got canned, uh, and by that canning, by the way, just so you know, in the plea bargain, it was later mocked by former Maryland Attorney General Sachs. It was referred to as the greatest deal since the Lord spared Isaac on the mountaintop. Quote. That's how Ford got to be the vice president. He wasn't elected vice president. And then, of course, you know what happened with Nixon. So then Ford got to be president, never being elected to anything. Now, consider this. Ford lived longer than any other U.S. president, 93 years and 165 days. But his presidency is the shortest of all presidents who did not die in office. He was only in office 895 days, of which, like I said, he was not only not elected vice president, he was not elected the president. Now, what stands out really about his presidency? How did we really get whipped outside of economically? Well, ladies and gentlemen, during his presidency, that, of course, um, 
the North Vietnam uh, basically uh, conquered South Vietnam, essentially ending the Vietnam War. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was nine months into his – here, let me say it again. That was a birth cycle into his presidency. So, you know, when let me get both your thoughts on that, and I'm going to step away from the mic because I got something to deal with here with my children. But why don't uh, why don't Clinton come in here and describe why why he thinks that uh, that what that's what we may be looking at is either the president steps down or 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 he's impeached. And the ramifications of Pence becoming president, because Brian just mentioned Pence. So, Clinton, uh, you two have the floor until I get back. Yeah, actually, I just uh, tweeted an article um, that was it, – it, the title of it uh, is from the Foreign Policy. Uh title is uh, um, Pence Get Ready to Be Gerald Ford. Um, and it kind of describes just that. Um, and, and it's interesting because a, a lot of things keep going back into mimicking the 70s. You know, we had Iran-Contra. We had the issue with Nixon. Uh, we have the uh, buildup between, you know, just the, the turmoil in the Middle East and then the economic issues to where um, brought about the rise of Reagan. Um, and, and so a lot of people are kind of mimicking, you know, what, what happened in the 70s. Now, to touch on, um, you know, this whole issue with Trump, I mean, the, it, it, you know, Trump has admitted that he helped his son um, write the letter explaining the conversation that was had about this meeting. Well, it turns out that the information in that letter was false and they can tie that to Donald Trump, which um, a lot of people are saying that that is actually proof that they can go after him criminally. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, Trump announces that he's going on a 17-day vacation. Um, in the midst of all this chaos saying you know, that we need to have a budget approved by the end of September, that we need to have health care done, that we... Uh, just signed all these sanctions to go against Russia, North Korea, and Iran. Um, it doesn't make sense to go on a vacation. Um, I mean, he, he could have picked a different time or you know done something differently. But the the crazy thing about it is we have this investigation going on, and and I believe that Mueller is actually uh, put into um, you know, put a jury together, or uh, I can't remember exactly what they called it, um, but basically further investigation because they actually have information that they need to investigate. If they are truly on his uh, heels, so to speak, um, and there's something hidden in his tax returns, either it shows that he is broke, that he has no money, or it shows that his ties are deep involved in Russia, or it shows it's nothing. But the fact that he's kind of freaking out about people looking into these tax returns kind of makes me wonder what is there. So I, you know, there's a strong possibility considering the type of investigation that is going on 
that there may be some issues with money laundering or some issues on kind of that scale. So if it is going to come out, um, Trump has come out and asked if he could pardon himself. He's asked if he could pardon his family. And those are very touchy subjects. I mean, we've never had a president asked to pardon himself. But take this in consideration. You know, say the investigation is going to be fruitful and that Trump actually is in trouble. Um, if he steps down and Pence assumes the presidency, and then that would mean Tillerson would then be the vice president, um, the push would then be to fix kind of the wrongs that were created from the Trump campaign. And the one piece that kind of fits is we all know that we're on an economic crisis path, that uh, we, we have, for the average person, can't afford rent. Uh, I saw a study that someone you know, put together that um, said that if, the, if you make a minimum wage to afford an average two-bedroom apartment, you have to work something like 100 to 120 hours a week, which is not possible. There's no way to do that. So it's unsustainable. And so this push for universal income is getting louder and louder and louder. Well, if we have this crisis happening, if we do have Trump step down, um, it would be the perfect time to implement a universal income uh, just to stabilize everyone in the United States. Um, plus it then makes it to where people have disposable income, where the rest of the world, they do not. Um, and so there's a strong possibility that prices around the world go down uh, when it comes to asset prices. And then that would allow this, this extra disposable income for Americans to be able to buy around the world. It'd make it very expensive to live in the United States, but those that have the money would then be able to buy around the world. The, the other caveat is if Trump does step down and Pence assumes the presidency, he would then have the power to pardon Trump and pardon his family. So that's a very strong possibility that that could happen. And with everyone saying that these events are building up, uh, you know, for the eclipses coming out on August 21st or the sign on September 23rd, you know, the timing is, is kind of ironic as well. So, you know, I'm not saying that this is, exactly going to happen, but I'm saying it's a possibility and something that we have to you know, pay attention to and, and look into um, because Pence has been around a lot more. Um, we know that he is actually taking steps to assume the presidency if need be. And we know that there's Amendment 25 that is on the books where even if Trump does not resign, Amendment 25 allows the vice president to assume the presidency from the president. Um, and so that is in play as well, considering the absolute chaos that is happening at Capitol Hill and within the political system and the economic system. And for that fact, you know, the, the world system. So, you know, it, 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 it'll be interesting to see which one plays out. So Brian, I'll, I'll kind of take your thoughts on that and see what you think on that matter. Well, I mean, I got to point out some real uh, 
sort of simple factors when looking at what happened during this last election cycle. Because I think people kind of tend to forget that the uh, Electoral College votes went in the direction which they were not supposed to. So when you realize that you know, no different than buying out the Supreme Court, as was done in earlier proceedings, as far as lobbying went within the right wing. How do we see a circumstance that's any different with the fact that, by all appearance, we had corruption in broad daylight with our electoral college? Yet, for some reason, that's just all kind of been brushed under the rug. Well, I think the on top of this, well, Brian, on, on top of the fact that you could clearly define paths of corruption on both sides of the aisle. I mean, you could empirically prove that during this past election cycle, you were atypically damned if you did and damned if you didn't. Didn't matter if you went left and right. I mean, my gosh, the amount of Oh my goodness, uh, the Clinton corruption is mind-boggling, uh, mind-boggling. So I think that's what the conundrum started. Who were you vote for? And then it well, got to this the… this is where I need to… I was just going to say, ahead, this Brad. is where I need to kind of question how much was… Propaganda and how much was true as far as the infamous story with Clinton, because you got to remember that that Citizens for Action back in, I believe it was about 2010, that law was pushed through. Um, it was leading up to the last election cycle, and the entire reason it even got brought in is because there was funding coming through a corporation to make an anti-Hillary Clinton film. And it gets to the point where well, you're going... How much propaganda are we dealing with here as opposed to how much reality? Because the amount of money that the right wing had put into this funding for this propaganda, it literally is getting to the stage where it makes it hard to see straight as to what in the world is true and what's not. Well, aside from that, how many people in her employee wound up dead? I mean, we're just not talking during the election cycle. We're talking about I mean, how many skeletons does she got in her closet, literally? So, yeah, I understand what you're saying there. I mean, the choice was between that, and everybody does know that Trump was never a politician, right? I mean, that that, that doesn't bother anybody? So, like I... Like I stated, I mean, this conundrum <laughs> presented itself, and then nobody paid attention to, well, wait a minute. The Electoral College didn't vote appropriately. I, I mean, it just it, it just didn't matter. It was all a joke. It, it, uh, I'm sorry. Well, the entire I understand your point, Brian. And, paid, and the Electoral College right there proves this point alone. But what is on top of it, all this Russian aspect of everything going on in the news, well, they use that to slap more sanctions on Russia 
So you've got this whole, once again, you're back to square one. Like I was saying previous, you've got this red versus white mentality yeah. that's been used to once again further saber rattle. When we had that election, clearly in broad daylight for the whole world to see, was bought out. I mean, you don't have multiple well, yeah. electoral college people just suddenly vote contrary to the way that their state was supposed to send those votes. And yet that's being right. ignored in this whole investigation. And it really personally kind of ticks me off. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, well, I mean, it should. It just took everybody off. I mean, typically speaking, the districts that were not appropriately assigned in the Electoral College, well, what should happen to those senators? I'm I'm sorry. What should happen to him? That's where your real impeachment lies. I mean, and it doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not trying to pick sides. I never do. But let's say uh, you know uh, what's a small one? Delaware. If all the people voted in Delaware for a candidate A, the senator turned right around and voted for candidate B. They need to be impeached. They need to be ripped out of office, and it, the buck should stop right there. But it don't. Nobody cares. They're being entertained to death. But uh, Clinton, let me ask you this. I saw a strange article that Pence had hired a lawyer. Why? I didn't know Pence was under investigation, but yet I see that he's hired a lawyer. Is, is that true? Yeah, um, pretty much everyone um, that is high level within the Trump administration is lawyer or not. Um, either because of the investigation or to somehow stay clean uh, during all of this. Well, it's just – I just find it strange, the uh, parallels going on here with Gerald Ford. Well, I need to point out something real quick here too is, you know, folks, you need to understand this Koch family, what they've been planning since way back upon a time has been the absolute and complete dismantling of the United States government the way it stood before to reshaping it to their twisted way of doing things. And you can't lay hands on the people that are really behind this because, well, look to the oil barons. All they got to do is come in and make a threat to whoever's running the show. Really, you move against us in this way. We'll just, you know, collapse you. With the oil, we'll get rid of you. We don't need you. Look at how they've realigned the budget, the Paris Peace Accords, all that with the uh, environmental stuff. They've axed all of it, basically putting more money in their coffers. Well, I think that's the real threshold, really. I, I don't think they have to threaten them, really. I mean, you're talking about endless amounts of dollars. I mean, in this generation, I, I think you probably don't have to threaten them. I think they just say, you know, I'll, I'll spot you a billion here or a billion there, and they readily agree. Well, I mean, it comes down to this. If they don't play nice according to the people that own them, okay, then I would start watching for impeachment. But he's been playing to their uh, way they want everything realigned from the get-go. So if he becomes a uh, detriment to that, they'll just get rid of him. And I can tell you right now, Mike Pence is on their payroll. I've seen him listed in one of the meetings. So uh, it's disturbing. Well, let's talk These about people him. own this nation now, and it's not even being run by the proper governing body any longer. 
Let me let me ask Clinton. What do you know about pants? Not a lot. Um, you know, just the only thing that that uh, seems to be out there about Pence is that he's ultra conservative, that he's a high level Christian, that uh, um, you know he believes in the uh, values uh, to where you know he can't even be in the same room with another woman unless his wife is there. Um, but when it comes to policy or where he actually stands on anything, um, it's not really readily known. I don't think. Interesting. Brian, uh, what know you of Pence? Oh, well, we both are on that same boat. I checked him out immediately. Okay, I mean, to be blunt, A, he's a crusader. B, we know what he did to, well, Indiana, don't we? I mean, he's he is what he is. He's bought and paid for by the oil barons. He's been in donating with them through their philanthropy groups this entire time. Okay, folks, I stated way back, you guys have better keep an eye on Mike Pence because he, he's the one. He's out there making a lot of big moves, folks, and it's not typical policy for, for vice presidents to run around and uh, saber-rattle in public like he has been. I've been watching him this entire time and keeping my eyes off of Trump because I think he's the one that – he's making more calls than anybody in this equation, I would have to say. Another thing that caught my attention with this whole thing is um, I just brought something up, a historical reference to Brian. So I said, well, well, let me check his dude out. Who's the Secretary of the Treasury? All of a sudden, we catch wind that this dude is – well, he's going to defense meetings. Me and Brian scratching our heads like, why is he going to extremely high-level defense meetings? He's the Secretary of the Treasury. Something stinks, and I mean it stinks to high heaven. So, Like I pointed out, he's buddy-buddy with Sorrow, and everybody's saying that George Soros is doing all the bad stuff, and here we got this guy's buddy-buddy with George Soros. They're just – people's minds are being played with so badly in all this. It's ridiculous. Well, I think part of One it is that, sure. uh, you know, the – I think that everyone kind of th- sees the the world as how it's been, and they don't realize that it's it's all different now. Uh, everything has changed. With what's up is down. What's down is up. And what we see happening with the presidency and the vice presidency that's that's not typical. Not typical. Yeah, we're certainly in strange waters. Uh, we certainly are. And, well, you know, I mean, uh, go ahead, bro. Well, I was just going to point out, you guys brought up the infamous Nixon uh, Watergate scandal. You know, we kind of have to remember that Henry Kissinger was calling the shots during that entire time. He took over the reins. He sure did. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, he wasn't. Well, Okay, let's ask this again. What was Kissinger? I mean, what what elect who elected him so that he could go um a parlay with the Chinese government? I, I never did catch that. I never did kind of catch what, what he was elected for. But anyway. Um 
you know, Brian has mentioned that these these crusaders are saying we've been ushered into uh, four years of grace. Four years of grace. Clinton, what's your your thoughts on that? Um, do you think we're going to see four years of grace or no? <laughs> Um, it, it can it can go two different ways. Um, either the manipulation continues um, from an economic scale to where people continue seeing the Dow uh, go up to possibly fifty thousand, um, because people are trained to look at the Dow as the as the whole of the economy. So people look at that; it goes up. Obviously, the economy is working. So. If you're gauging it off of that or if you're gauging it off of the high echelon um, or one percenters that just base everything off of numbers, um, you're, you're looking at, for instance, uh, you know, analysis going, hey, this is what uh, this salary should pay. This is what this job should pay based off of the historical data. Um, but the problem is the disconnect from the data to the actual real economy is is horrible. The real economy is what what the people are being paid is not even making it to where they can pay their rent. So if you're looking at the number standpoint, yeah, you're going to have things probably thrive or get close to that. Um, but the real economy underneath is not so much. Um, and so when those two converge, unfortunately, you'll probably see um, a massive uh, market correction, uh, as they put it, um, in the negative. Um, and that's what's going to uh, force their hand to do some kind of massive uh, bailout system. Um, and that's where I think the universal income comes into play. So, yeah, if you want uh, to have a transition into the new system where you have basically everything is automated, everything is based off technology, and you have universal income to where Americans can go and buy what they need to around the world, yeah, that's going to be four years of grace, but you have to have a breakdown of the current system before it gets to that. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.